Hello everyone and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. Today is the next installment of our Parents and Caregivers on the Frontline series. Today we're going to focus on learners and early career faculty members who are balancing work and parenthood. Now before we get into that, be sure you take a moment to get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New shows can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines, we can review. All right, let's bring in Dr. Mandy McCormick. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now, first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and talk about your role here at Michigan Medicine? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I am a pediatric cardiologist by training. Um, I have been at Michigan Medicine um, since I matched here for residency um, in 2013. So I think this is officially my ninth or 10th year um, at the institution. And I'll be completely open and honest that, um, you know, when I couples matched here, I was very excited to come. My uh, then boyfriend, now husband matched um, in Detroit as well. We were a couples match. Um, and I came from the Ohio State University College of Medicine, um, which I have continued to um, carry with me and uh, with my football alliances. Um, but despite that, I am a proud employee of Michigan Medicine and, and love to, to care for patients here. Um, on my day-to-day -day life, I take care of patients uh, inpatient in the pediatric cardiology wards. I am primarily a heart failure and transplant physician, so I see patients both inpatient and outpatient who need those services, and I also take care of kids with pulmonary hypertension. Um, I have a passion for medical education um, and also for learners in all different ways, which um, leads directly into the project that I'll, I'll mention today. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, you know, I really do love working here and, and I love the institution again, despite my, um, my unsightly past. Yes. I will try not holding that against you though. I make no promises moving forward. That's um, fine. <laughs> so what would you say are some of the most challenging aspects of parenting for you as you progress through your career here? Um, absolutely. So I have two kids. Um, I have a four-year-old named Madeline or Maddie, um, and an 18 month old named Jack. Um, Maddie was born when I was in fellowship training, when I was in my, um, I got pregnant in my second year of training, and then she was born in the beginning of my third year of training. Um, and Jack was uh, born when I was an early faculty member, so just a couple of years ago. And he was um, born after, so it was April 2021, so kind of after the peak of the pandemic, but still very much a, a part of, of that part of our all of our lives. Um, you know, it was a really tough decision about when to have kids. And I think that's something that a lot of people, not just in, in medicine, but in all different careers really struggle with. Um, because as I've been told, and I will tell people now, there is no perfect timing as far as when, when you make that decision. And that doesn't even touch on the people who struggle to to conceive and have kids. And I, I don't think I could fully, you know, address all of those issues in this podcast today, but just to say that you, when you're going into, you know, having a family, you never kind of know how things are going to go. Um, and so when my husband and I decided to have kids, we had, you know, gotten married and then we, I was in uh, residency training and then, you know, fellowship training. And we kind of got to a point where we're like, okay, maybe this makes sense. But I have to tell you that 
you can talk to anyone that you want to as far as other people's experiences and what's going to happen, but you never really know what's going to happen having kids until you're living it. And so having our new daughter um, when, you know, I was a third year fellow was one of the most challenging things that I've ever done in my life and learning to become a mom and to um, to become, become a caregiver and to balance those tasks with my ongoing tasks at work. I think again, to this day is still one of the hardest things that I've done and continue to do. Yeah. I think that's the perfect point though, that there's no right time to do it, right? There's going to be challenges. There's going to be positives that come with whenever you decide to, to start a family. Right. And, um, you just sort of have to navigate it as you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when Maddie was first born, um, Again, I, I mentioned that I'm a pediatrician by training and I thought I knew a lot of things. Um, I didn't know anything about what was going to happen when I had this little baby at my house. Um, and she she is still such a resilient little creature that I think, I, I don't know that I attribute a lot of her success to my own parenting because she's she's just so strong and wonderful in her own right. But um but just to say that despite all of the the things that I thought I knew and the things that I had been counseling families for so long, actually having it as a lived experience is, was, was completely different for me. Um, trying to figure out how to balance the worst sleep deprivation that you can ever imagine. Again, this coming from someone who had just finished doing 24-hour call, or I guess it was like 28 hour call, you know, pregnant, I thought that was bad, nothing compared to having an infant, um, or a newborn. Um, and then figuring out, you know, lactation, figuring out how to feed the baby, figuring out, you know, both of my kids were born a little bit early in the kind of like, um, early full term stage. Um, and so they both struggled with feeding at first. And so figuring that out and figuring out what to worry about and what not to worry about was, was a struggle. Um, and I think, you know, the things that really, really got me through were, um, you know, one real accepting the fact and giving myself grace that I didn't know everything, but then two, um, leaning on a lot of other people to, to help me out along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So you sort of teased this a little bit that, that there's a project that you've been working on that you wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, on this podcast and, and, what that project is, is that you're rolling out a wellness grant in support of breastfeeding residents. Can you tell us about the grant and why you find that so important? Sure. Um, so the grant that I submitted and I was very fortunate to get through the wellness office is a grant um, supporting a pilot study of wearable lactation pumps um, for lactating residents. And the reason that I wanted to do this, and um, I work with a couple of other um, faculty members who are also passionate about this project, is that we all had the experience of um, trying to have, or I guess successfully having um, newborns during our training and early faculty years, um, and then struggling with lactation in some way, um, especially coming back to work. I think Michigan Medicine has done a very nice job of supporting um, their employees and trainees in having some access to safe pumping places. But the reality is when you're a trainee in medicine, your job doesn't always permit you to leave to go to the space that you are provided. So whether that's, you know, down the hall, which it was for me, um, I have a, you know, lactation room that is probably, I don't know, 
20 feet from my office just happening, you know, to be there when I'm when I'm in the pediatric in, in the Mount hospital. Um, but other folks, you know, don't have those opportunities and they're trying to round, they're trying to operate, they're trying to do all these other things that they need to do as part of their their very rigorous training job. And so when I, again, I mentioned I've had two children. When I had my first baby, I came back to work um, and I used a traditional um, lactation pump in addition to um, sometimes utilizing the pumps that are in the lactation room here, which was a great resource um, at the time, again, because of my proximity. Um, but what I found was that I needed to fully meet my, um, you know, child's needs and my lactation goals. I needed to do a lot more pumping on the go. And so after actually about six months into to my baby's life, I saved up, up enough money to buy one of these wireless pumps, um, which unfortunately are very pricey and also unfortunately are not fully covered by insurance at this point. Um, even despite, you know, the, the great benefits that we have here at Michigan Medicine for both trainees and faculty. And when I did that, my life was totally changed. I was able to use these pumps in the car. I was able to use these pumps um, in my shared office space if I felt comfortable, which as an aside, I mentioned I um, was a trainee at the time. I was in a fellowship class of myself and four men. Um, which again, we were very close and they were very extremely supportive, but there were times that, you know, it was hard even to get the 20 feet down the hallway to, to go to a different space. So that enabled me to um, make sure that I was comfortable and everyone else was comfortable for me to, to meet my lactation goals. Um, and then on top of that, um, I was able to very easily transition, um, you know, whatever I, I pumped for my baby home to, to meet her needs too. And so, I regretted at the time, I was like, man, I should have done this six months ago, would have <laughs> revolutionized my work life so much sooner. Um, but ever since that happened, and then, you know, I used the, that same pump exclusively for my my second kid, I've just thought, man, if, if folks who have busy work lives and who have these kind of work demands could have access to these pumps, it would help so many people, but the financial barriers are so much. So the inspiration of the grant is to take that and hopefully make these pumps more accessible to those who really need it and who really aren't in a financial place to be devoting that kind of funding to, to their pumps at that point. I think that's great. And, and you talk about the financial barriers, but maybe you can speak to this too. I think sometimes there are just social barriers too, right? For people who are breastfeeding or lactating to want to ask for help or to feel comfortable asking for either assistance in getting something like a pump or just getting a separate space, right? In order to do that, if you're in a shared office and you maybe don't have a lactation room nearby, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the social barriers that may exist for people? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest that I think that I will share my experiences and also what I think some other people have had, but I, I do think that lactation is a very personal experience. And so probably my, um, my experience doesn't totally generalize to everyone else's that that's going through the lactation process. Um, but certainly um, there are the social barriers of just finding the time to do it. Um, so, you know, I mentioned I was a pediatric cardiology fellow at the time. Um, our third year of training has a lot of flexibility in it. So that made it a lot easier for me to find the time when I wanted to um, and to make sure that, you know, I, I prioritized lactation when I needed to. Um, but had I um, 
had a baby a year prior when I was rotating in the intensive care unit, that would have been very challenging to make sure that I was able to, you know, get to a different space all the time. So there's, there's those logistics first and foremost. Um, also, I think, again, I don't want to generalize to everyone, but I can say when I came back to work, um, I am a bit of a stubborn individual and I didn't want to be treated differently or to, um, to make any impression that I was not able to meet my training or work demands because of my choice to have a child and to, to pump for her. Um, and that, you know, I'm, I'm again, a very stubborn and determined individual. So I had said that I was going to do this. And so I did it, but I, there were probably times when I should have asked for, or I could have asked for assistance and timing that I put it on myself when I think others would have been supportive too, had I, had I tried to, to, to ask for their assistance. Um, there are others that I've talked to who don't have that same level of support. So they have asked for help and they don't necessarily get the support that they want to, or they feel like they can't ask for help um, for whatever reason. And I think, you know, again, that's a little bit of a different discussion, but just to say that um, having these pumps available takes out some of those barriers of both the logistical things of timing and also some of um, the social constraints of um, people's comfort with, um, with lactation and being able to do it covertly. The pumps fit completely within your clothes. So it's not like there um, are wires or another thing that you're carrying around. So people might not even know a lot of the time that you are, are using them. Um, I've heard some lactating individuals say that um, they actually um, either operate with them on or they see patients in clinic with them on. And again, you know, who's to know other than, you know, your, the, the, your front is a little bit more um, um, pronounced with the pumps in place. But again, that's nobody's business other than other than your own. So yeah. Um, I think, I think these pumps really can make a huge difference for, for people in those situations. That's great. Was there anything else that surprised you when it came to parenting young children while starting out your career? Um, you know, I mentioned again that I thought I knew a lot of things that I thought that I didn't know in the same way, um, especially when it came to um, figuring out the sleep deprivation piece, learning to learning to breastfeed, if that's something that you choose to do, um, balancing having essentially two jobs, right? Being a full-time um, fellow at the time and then pediatric cardiologist next with my next child and then coming home and being a full-time mom once I hit the door, um, navigating childcare, um, navigating for COVID, having a personal life on top of all these things, which I didn't do very well at first, but I'm getting better at. Um, and then navigating the pandemic too with small children, you know, all of these things, some you can predict, but other things no one would have ever predicted that I would have gone through as, as a young parent and, and a young parent as a physician. Um, I mentioned this before, but I, I truly believe that the things that have gotten me through are finding um, supports both in my family. Um, I have very supportive parents and, and in-laws, but also um the biggest thing, honestly, was finding support in other young faculty members who had shared the same lived experiences. Um, and I found those people were the ones that, you know, even in the middle of the night really pushed me through and, and got me to keep going. Um, I really pride myself now on the other side of things of being able to support some of my friends who are going through the same experiences now and, and trainees as well who decide to have children during training. Because I, again, I think 
some of those things that you you don't always know the questions to ask until you're living it. Um, and so now having those experiences behind me, I'm able to kind of provide some of that those insights without folks knowing that they need to ask the questions. Yeah. So let's talk real quick about some of those insights. What advice do you have for young parents that are about <laughs> to go through what you've gone through for at least four years now? Um, give yourself a lot of grace. You don't know what you're doing and that's okay. No one does when they're starting out. Um, find your tribe and keep them close to you um, and ask for help. I think would be the other thing. Even when you're a stubborn pediatric cardiologist <laughs> that thinks they can do it all themselves, you can't. Yeah. So, so get help. Well, I think that's great advice. Thank you so much, Mandy, for your honesty about this topic. It's it's an important one and and topics that, that people don't always like to talk about. So I appreciate how open you've been and uh, your honesty about it. If you want to find more episodes that are part of the Parents and Caregivers on the Frontline series, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the lightning round when we ask our guests four quick fire questions. So Mandy, are you ready to go? I think so. All right. So <laughs> you obviously just gave some advice already on today's show, but if you had to give your younger self some advice before going into medicine, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, it's going to be a long road. There'll be times that are very hard, um, but remember who you are and remember what drives you to this career because it's the best career in the world. All right. So we sort of just time traveled back to your younger self. Let's keep up with the time traveling theme. If you could go back in time and meet any person from history, who would it be and why? This is a little bit too recent because she was alive during my lifetime, but I would have really liked to meet Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I watched a lot of um, documentaries about her after her passing, and she just seemed like such an incredible woman. And I, I would love to pick her brain. I think that's a great choice. All right. The holidays are coming up quickly. What are some of your favorite things to do during the holiday season? Um, I love to cook and it's not something that I always have time to do. So I take it upon myself during the holiday season to really um, spend as much time and be as adventurous with preparing meals as I possibly can. So I'm looking forward to that with uh, Thanksgiving and, and the other holidays coming up. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to make? Um, I love pies. All right. So the week of Thanksgiving is is always national game and puzzle week. Does your family have any favorite board games or activities you like to play? Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I have a four year old and she is really getting into board games. And by really getting into, I mean, she doesn't play them correctly. Um, but I see a lot of Candyland, Pretty Pretty Princess, and Zingo in my future in the next couple of weeks. Well, maybe you don't play them correctly, and she just has her <laughs> own rules. <laughs> I think, you know, th maybe that's the thing now in, in 2022, is that who needs to follow the rules of the game? You can make your own game. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, thank you so much, Mandy, for joining us today. Once again, if you want to check out more of the Parents and Caregivers on the Frontline series, Go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Once again, thanks to Dr. Mandy McCormick for joining us recently as part of our Parents and Caregivers on the Frontline series. If you want to find previous episodes in the series, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Now, while you're there, you can find this week's featured stories, which included a look back at Mott's float in America's Thanksgiving Parade in downtown Detroit, and the story of a patient who had her life saved by ECMO at Michigan Medicine. 
Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. This week's question is, patient April Hogan received what type of transplant at Michigan Medicine? Once again, patient April Hogan received what type of transplant at Michigan Medicine? You can find the answer in this week's headlines. Once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks again to Dr. McCormick for joining us. And thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week. <laughs>